Ooh, I like that. Come again? I like that. It feels like we get officially greeted or welcomed into the Zoom life. Each and every time, she's just like, recording in progress. The best part is, is I feel like we reference it every time it's happened now. But it doesn't <laughs> so show special. up. Yeah, but it doesn't show up in any of the recordings. Oh, okay. <laughs> so it's like we talk about it as if it's like this consistent part of the show. So desperate we are for love. We'll take we'll take it's the true. Zoom lady it's welcoming true. us into her kingdom. <laughs> Welcome to our kingdom. It is called Growing Up Punk, the podcast or kingdom about punk rock and all of its friends. My name is David. My friend is Aaron. Good evening. Hey, I forgot to hit record on that little bit, so now we're now I'm recording. <laughs> this is this is another thing that's becoming a recurring theme is Aaron talking Only, about how he yeah. didn't record. <clears throat> Dude, that's fine. My brain has been fried by many things. Go on. <laughs> <laughs> by life. Yes. Man, I always look so bright on the camera. Is that better? I don't oh, need that. I don't, I don't need that much light bouncing off my forehead. You know. You can see oh. the back of your retinas. Oh, oh, that's that's not enough. How's that Something. for a pickup line? Ooh, I like your eyes. I can Ooh. see the back of your retinas. I can see the back of your retinas real good from here. Does that mean you're like just like right up nose to nose? That's how I guess so. That. Or you're a... shining a light right into their eyeballs and they're like, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah. Um, what was There was something I was going to say to you and then I totally forgot. <laughs> oh, no, it wasn't to you, actually. I did want to throw a shout out to uh, Anarchy Coffee Roasters. This is kind of for you. Uh, they sent me some coffee in the mail. I know you're not a coffee guy, but one of the ones they sent was uh, their, like, I'm assuming it's a limited edition, limited run, limited edition uh, Belvedere roast coffee in celebration yeah. of uh, 25 years of, of Belvedere. And so... Tell them because, to send me some Belvedere merch instead of coffee. Well, I mean, I, that might be the best they can do, <laughs> <laughs> is to send you Belvedere coffee. And then you could, like, peel the label off of the oh, the bag of coffee. and you Just can put that on a shirt? Stuff. Yeah, yeah, just like a little, like, patch up in the corner. Yeah, it'd be, it'd sew be it on. Yeah, but because because they sent me that, and I tried it for the first time this morning, and it was pretty fantastic, but... I've been listening to uh, the, Bel- the the latest Belvedere record like all day today. Awesome. Um, so it's a good one. Yeah, and every time I put it on, I'm like, oh, I bet you Aaron would like this one. Because of course- Every, every song? Okay. Yeah, every <laughs> song. Man, this sounds like a song Aaron might like. Yeah. Every single time. <laughs> I've been watching every Tuesday they release a drum playthrough yeah. from one of the songs. So yeah, which I've is funny. I've been really enjoying those. Because uh, I'd sent you like a little snapshot of uh uh on instagram because casey had followed us back but i'd messaged him um because i think i've mentioned this before at least i've mentioned it to you i'm pretty sure i've said it on the show but i don't know if he still does but he he was kind of like the guy if you were in a punk band in the calgary scene in the early 2000s he was the guy to record your demo or your album your ep whatever uh through his uh, studio called echo Base studios and so i had sent him um a message. I was like, hey, you totally won't remember this because you probably recorded hundreds, maybe even thousands of bands. I don't know how many things he's worked on. He he had like this special deal where you could get a weekend for like 500 bucks. And so he would just like Me? cram people through. And um, and so I said to him, I was like, one of I recorded like three different EPs with three different bands. 
uh, in his basement. And I said, but one of them, we had this song. It was just myself and a drummer. I was playing acoustic. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of, like, emo whining, screaming sort of stuff going on in the songs. But one song was, like, (laughs) maybe five and a half, six minutes long. And it kind of got a little, like a bit like jam session in the middle of it. And uh, when we finished our very first take, the first time he hears the song, we like let the, let the song ring out or whatever the last chord ring out. And he's like, what are you guys rush? (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, um, sure. Yes. My drummer at the time really liked rush, but I I don't know if Casey does or not, but uh, I just thought that was funny. He's like, who do you guys think you are rush? He was mad. He's like, get out of my studio. No, he was definitely just making fun of us, but I don't think he was mad. I think he probably is a Rush fan, um, but I obviously can't speak for him. But uh, yeah, so I thought so I thought that was funny, and um, we were chatting a little bit back and forth today. Um, but yeah, and so I was thinking about you with every single Belvedere song that came on. Thank I was you. like, oh, here's Aaron again. Aaron likes this song. Yeah. Keep keep the emo screaming, uh, what did you call it? Emo whining screaming? Yeah, I said something like emo whiny screaming, yeah. something like that. That's how I describe Belvedere, if you haven't heard them. <laughs> yeah, they totally just sound like some 17-year-old kid screaming in his basement about how someone doesn't <laughs> like him or something. Unrequited love, I don't know. But uh, yeah, today we're going to, we got a, a bit of a... Another inter- interview episode. I had the chat the chat to chance with. The chance to chat with Dan from The Promise Ring. He plays drums in the band. He's also in the band Maritime, nice. uh, uh, which is also Davey Von Bolin from The Promise Ring after The Promise Ring broke up. I don't know if they had anything before they broke up, but it was definitely the band that followed um, The Promise Ring. But we had the chance to chat about his five favorite Promise Ring songs, so we're going to get to that in a few minutes. And... Um, I can't remember if I mentioned it in the interview, but he, I think I did, but he kind of took an interesting approach where it just so worked that they had five records that, you know, they had released or whatever, not counting, you know, kind of singles or the odd, like yeah. small EPs or splits or whatever, but they had five records that they released. So he's like, I'm just going to pick one from each record. Oh, nice. That's um, cool. Yeah. So it was, a, it was a really fun interview, you know, kind of getting to talk about um, just kind of the... I can't say the early emo scene because obviously, like as scene historians would tell you, that goes back to the '80s. But that like emerging Midwest emo scene that you know eventually bands like the Get Up Kids would come out of, like really paving the way for like the Get Up Kids and Jimmy Eat World stuff like that. That early 2000s emo explosion that would happen. But um, so we got to kind of chat about that as well as as his favorite songs and the stories that that go into him but i sent you um well his songs and some other songs we we spoke briefly about the promise ring on our epitaph episode because i broke all the rules and i picked them for one of my oh yeah one of my albums but had you ever really kind of like i know you said you were somewhat familiar with them just through friends yeah that's probably the most the most i would have ever heard of them so you know it was either on in the background or we were driving or you know somewhere where i wasn't necessarily paying attention so yeah, it's I would say it's more the sound is familiar than any of their specific songs mm-hmm. um, at this point. But um, yeah, like you said, they're one of those bands. Like I kind of feel like, you know, not necessarily right when I got into music, but I don't even know when when the first Promise Ring albums came out. Was it like early two thousands or what? No, no, they were done by I think two thousand three was their last record. Oh wow, okay. Um, I want to see. 
Yeah, when did the first one come out? Because that's a, that's a good question. I, I know I say it in the interview, <laughs> but off the top of my head, uh, it says, well, they got together in 95, and then their first record came out in 96, it looks like. Uh, yeah, September of 96 is when their first record came out. And their last one came out in April of 2002. So yeah, it kind of makes me think I might have not even heard them until after they were done. Yeah, um, yeah, because it might have been around around that time that I might have maybe two thousand one. Yeah, um, like I've got a particular friend in mind who who would have been into them, so it might have been around that time. But again, not enough that you know I really got into it or, or yeah. knew it super well. I mean, I was similar in the sense that I the first record of theirs that I got into was Wood Water, which came out in two thousand two. But I remember hearing their name beforehand from people in the scene being like, oh, if you like this band, you should check out this band. And I'm sure by that point, by 2002, um, when I would have finally picked up a Promise Ring record, they were, you know, it was probably, I was, I was probably listening to bands like Thursday and Taking Back Sunday and whatever, right? Like that sort of, I guess, next wave of, of emo post-hardcore bands and, uh, and, you know, so people were saying, oh, you should check out these guys. As I mentioned, you know, they were kind of the ones that came before alongside bands like Braid, um, who we had Bob Nana on the show a little bit ago now. But, uh, yeah, so that was a, a similar time frame, but I did get into them and I kind of worked backwards in my, um, I guess, discovery of them by starting with their final record. Then the next one I listened to is the one that came before that and then before that sort of thing. So it's this like reverse reverse order sort of thing but uh so having not really heard them <laughs> what would i just want your brief synopsis of the evolution of their sound like is there a moment in time out of the songs i sent you because the songs that i sent you covered all five of those records some more than others but um is there kind of a moment in time in those in that career that that i guess life of the band where you're like oh this is probably most what i would have connected to yeah, so just just to touch on something else you said about you know bands like Get Up Kids and Jimmy or Old Eat World or whatever coming after. One of the things that that stood out when I was listening through these songs you sent, and I'm not sure the the order I have them. I don't know if I saved them in my playlist in the order of the right. albums that came out or whatever. Yeah. So it might be a bit more sporadic, but um, yeah, I did find that their their songwriting structurally seemed to be a lot different than the bands that came after like it's a little not necessarily spazzy but mm-hmm. um maybe a little bit more disjointed it's not i didn't get the sense of like okay this is a kind of verse chorus first chorus bridge type type songwriting which is much more how the bands after them came yeah. so i'm intrigued kind of how that evolution came is it just wanting to get on the radio and so you kind of have to you know dumb it down so to speak mm-hmm which isn't making, isn't dumbing down the song, but just making it a bit more accessible, I guess is yeah. a better way to say it. And so, yeah, I'm intrigued with, with how kind of one era of music comes after another, where it's influenced from that era, but kind of shifts and takes on a bit different of a sound. And, yeah. and so I kind of felt as I was listening through this, I was like, okay, like, you know, when, we, when I got to the album or the song off of the albums on uh, very emergency, yeah that definitely seemed to be the one like, okay, I can kind of connect with this a bit more. I can see the progression from bands that came after maybe more from, from that specific album than, than some of the others, you know, that's just with kind of having minimal knowledge of, of the band and even some of the bands that came after. So yeah. um, Yeah. Those are the songs I was like, okay, like, you know, kind of had some hints, um, you know, even with bands like the weaker thans and kind of that, you know, where it's, 
kind of indie rock emo kind of feeling even lyrically some of the songs in this reminded me of weekly ends or was yeah. kind of you know story form um songwriting and and so so i like that you know it's it's hard to listen to a band you know listen to 10, 10 songs and kind of think like okay i don't really have any um connection to like maybe music that i do know yeah so it was nice to have those little pinpoints even though like i said i'm not a huge weaker than fan but just to have that little connection of like okay like this is a band i could see the weaker thans being influenced by and so just those little correlations kind of sure. gave me some connection to the songs yeah so that was a long rant but <laughs> no no it's it's good because i mean like john k Sampson of the weaker thans is obviously he's known for his lyricism and his his writing abilities and davy von bolen from the promise ring um same thing like that's one of the things and we touch upon that a little bit in the interview with dan is just like his his songwriting and for me it's interesting because listening to those early songs you talk about the spazziness kind of and and you know less less traditional or straightforward song structures i feel like musically that was kind of something that those earlier bands were doing yeah Uh, because i even like i think of braid as well um and I think a lot of that could just be the, you know, like the Fugazi influence, for instance, that comes through in a lot yeah. of these bands. I feel like Fugazi came through in Braid a lot more than The Promise Ring, uh, just as using two comparisons. But getting into Jimmy World and the Get Up Kids, also on like their earlier stuff, you kind of hear a little bit more of that, right? Like the Get Up Kids four minute mile, I think is, and part of that I think just comes with being younger less experienced songwriters at that time right so like four minute mile by the get up kids is definitely a lot less polished in the songwriting than um even just the next record record something to write home about would be right same with like jimmy world if you want i mean if you go back with jimmy world and they're like self-titled like album that isn't on like any streaming things it's definitely a lot more in the vein of like like punk rock sort of thing but if you want to start at static prevails when they kind of really started molding their sound it's a lot less polished you know than it would eventually become and so it's it's interesting to see that because with i would say though with like the promise ring they had a moment where you can kind of hear like this shift right like 30 degrees everywhere is definitely a little more chaotic same with the horse latitudes which is the ep that came after and then nothing feels good starts to feel a little more put together and then very emergency it's like oh here we are you know like all of a sudden it's just this ridiculously good emo power pop band really right is what it boils down to and then woodwater they kind of make another shift going a bit of a different direction but um so what would have been their like kind of peak album or most popular or was well, it varied by I mean it it kind of depends I think on who you ask but I think sort yeah. of like the overall one that would most often get referenced is Nothing Feels Good. Okay. Um, and then because I think and they talk about this we talk about this a little bit with Dan in the interview is that you know they they really polished things up going from Nothing Feels Good into Very Emergency so you know they caught some fans off guard with that. I think, you know, and that's the way it's going to be. I don't know. I can't remember if as far as like commercial success is concerned. I didn't ask him those questions about numbers. Um, so I'm not sure which one, you know, sold the most or did the yeah, best yeah, or whatever. Okay. Yeah. But but I think nothing feels good is typically the one that gets referenced a lot. But then I was reading things on 30 Degrees Everywhere, which is their first one, which, 
you know, in like this one thing I was reading was saying like a lot of people believe it's the best record to come out of, you know, that scene or whatever. And I'm like, oh, okay. Like, I mean, it's definitely a little more on the angular artsy, I guess you could say side than, uh, than they would eventually become. But I don't know. Um, I, there's still a band that I, I go back to semi-regularly. I mean, obviously, especially recently but um so it was it was an awesome chance to to chat with him and uh i think we're going to get to that in a few minutes i just just some quick housekeeping if you want to follow us on our social media at growing punk pod you can find us on instagram and twitter and also on tiktok if you're yeah you've been killing those tiktok videos i I mean did you see my backflip yeah it was amazing <laughs> backflips on tiktok uh but yeah so we're on tiktok instagram twitter at growing punk pod we're on facebook um wherever you're listening to the show of course tell your friends help us spread the word spread the love speaking of love thanks again to anarchy coffee roasters for uh keeping me caffeinated that's always a bonus man if if you you just need to start drinking coffee and they can keep you caffeinated too yeah but then i might get diarrhea do they have a solution for that anarchy Ooh. diarrhea pills <laughs> That, that's a better fitting name than <laughs> just kidding anarchy in my digestive system that's yes not, i'm not saying that about anarchy coffee at all they're great <laughs> coffee in general gets you moving though that's for sure um <laughs> this well, this my... feels like it's about to turn into a conversation between like two <laughs> you know 50 60 year old people that are just like talking about their uh, you know their morning bowel movements well my stomach's <laughs> been super off today so that's why it's on my mind that's fair hey mine too maybe we've synced up our 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 stomach cycles are in sync. Oh, that's so cute. Now everyone's listening going like, great. We know that they are <laughs> spending a lot of time on the toilet, which is, I mean, whatever. I got my second COVID vaccine. I'm blaming it on that because uh, one of the side effects is upset stomach. And I'm like, sure. Yeah. Either that or it was the flaming Hot Cheetos that I ate that <laughs> night. I don't know. I can't say. But uh, yeah, man. Anyway, so we're going to get into the interview. This is uh, I'm, I'm right, right after we hear the music thing here. I'm going to be chatting with Dan from The Promise Ring. So, um, enjoy. I got my body and my mind on the same page. And honey, now happiness is all the rage. I got my body and my mind on the same page. And honey, now happiness is all the To let people know that, you know, yeah, <laughs> there's no question, there's no absolutely no question, yeah, that this is being recorded. There's no more secrets, man. No more secrets, no, 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 <laughs> can't secretly, can't 
can't secretly record anybody anymore. No, no, you know, which what is this world cut? Right. I mean, now we, I, I suppose we can stand around holding our phones, looking like we're scrolling through Twitter and be recording someone, I there suppose, but not that we're condoning that, <laughs> right? But, yeah, but you know, it's, I guess it's still possible. Um, so possible. Yeah. Well, thanks for hanging out, man. I'm glad we, uh, yeah. finally got to figure this out. So, um, yeah, totally. Yeah. Which I, do you remember, I guess when you first got into the whole like punk and hardcore post hardcore sort of world, like, do you remember the first band or album that kind of introduced you to the scene? Yeah, it was, um, <clears throat> yeah. How did this, like, I, 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 have older brother syndrome yeah so everything that i thought was cool and was you know like different um i got from him yeah because he sort of like trailblazed everything and i was i was uh the youngest child of three my sister is really way older than me uh so my brother and i are only about three years apart Mm. so it's like you know um we were really similar in that way uh in and that and even friends and stuff like that like and uh yeah i mean whatever and he he sort of trailblazed through and since i and i was also the youngest but also the oops baby (laughs) i was like apparently i was my parents little surprise right uh so at that point you know i I mean i had a great childhood not complaining at all but you know they did sort of i got away with everything because i was the youngest and they sort of like look we already raised two kids like let's just let the, let's let this one slide <laughs> you're on <by>. your own <laughs> yeah, but, yeah i mean you know but i had a you know but i had a you know a, a brother and sister that could take care of me but um yeah. but i got away with you know everything and uh and you know then having my brothers just kind of like show me the way of a lot of things um so the the real like turn for me was like like uh new wave uh okay yeah you know the definitely the cure was this sort of turning point but then getting into skateboarding then obviously led to punk mm-hmm. and like you know dead kennedy's black flag like the the you know, minor threat yeah yeah the classics like i i loved the classics and so i sort of always rid that line rode that line between uh uh sort of new wave goth yeah. whatever and punk and hardcore and so that's i mean it's still the case today right, right? sure yeah yeah um my playlists are are you know going to be one of those yeah <laughs> and the um and so yeah growing then growing up it was it was those sort of things and and just collecting records in seven inches i love seven seconds like you know going to um you know, record stores in Milwaukee. Like I, I grew up like 20 miles North of Milwaukee uh, in a suburb. And so I would like, you know, have my parents drive me down to go to the record stores. And then when I drove, when I could drive myself, I would drive myself down there. Like every, t- every second I would get a, any sort of money. Yeah. I would go there and like, Oh, there's like a, it's this new seven seconds, seven inch. That's like a different color way. Like I need that color. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah. I, it's the same fucking record, but yeah, yeah. I need, I need all the colors. Um, and you know, that just, and then I got into, uh, like New York hardcore. So the youth of today, straight edge, 
Gorilla Biscuits, like mm. all that stuff I was really into as well. And, and actually listening to those records really got me into vegetarianism, <laughs> which is I'm still today. Oh, right on. You know, yeah. I got into them like when I was, you know, really like early teens. Yeah. And so I've been vegetarian ever since. And, um, and, you know, I was vegan for, you know, most of high school and some of college and, you know, so massive influence. The music has always been a massive influence yeah. for me all, throughout my whole life, um, you know, in, in more ways than just listening and, and enjoying it that way. But right. like then getting in, learning drums and starting to play drums and starting to like be in bands and stuff like that. It was all sort of like taking bits from all of those uh music sure so uh, so you said you're a vegetarian still um uh-huh. but do you still skate at all yeah i do oh you do right on okay. I do. yeah yeah i do yeah um yeah it's like a group of uh, friends of mine yeah when we were all around 30 because i stopped like right. in high school i was really into it and really into it but then at some point i switched to drums so it's like at one point i'm like you know what i love skating it's really fun hanging out with friends or whatever but you know like oh now i'm in these bands and now we're kind of like doing these tours and Mm -hmm. shit like that so it's just like okay i can't do that as much because if i get injured yeah yeah (laughs) that would affect (laughs) you know you know that would affect this thing and i really want to do this thing um but i would still do it here and there i would sometimes bring uh skateboards on tour but yeah nothing like nothing major and then you know, then bands happened and all that stuff. And then just recently I got a, a group of friends were just like, Hey, we should start skating again. I think we we're all about 38 at that time yeah, yeah. between 35, 40, like, right. Like perfect time to start skating again. <laughs> like, uh, and so now, yeah. So then for the last, you know, you know, a few years, then I've been doing it, you know, like I have my Sunday mornings, like that's, you know, cause I'm pretty busy throughout the rest mm-hmm. of the week. I have, you know, two kids and a wife and yeah, you know, that all keeps me very busy throughout the week and work and all that stuff. And then it's just like, you know, it's my Sunday morning is like two, three hours to go <laughs> skate. Yeah. Like, I, yeah, like I wake up at like 630, get, you know, get ready by seven, head out there and be at the park. <laughs> at the, uh, at the, you know, yeah, as I say, at the park way before all the kids are because they're still in bed sleeping. That's brilliant. <laughs> exactly. But actually, yeah, and actually. And so that's actually been been you know treating me yeah. very well uh in that regard where i don't feel like i'm the you know i mean i can you know i can it's certain things i can hold my own yeah but you know but there's you know but even recently though there's i go to the we have this amazing diy skate park um called estabrook that was it's just like this corner of this uh park uh that was an old tennis court that was just underused mm. yeah. and uh and then you know we just start skaters just started going there and building cement stuff and right on and like it was just really great because they they all know it's there yeah (laughs) you know the city the city knows it's there but everyone turns a blind eye to it and just like and so far it's been like a kind of you know people travel you like travel there you know like it's it's like a destination for that's right skateboarding now yeah Yeah. it's really cool um so i go there every morning or every sunday morning and then uh and then recently like there's some some dudes that totally rip there early. Like, yeah. like, what do you guys do? You should be like passed out. Already. Yeah. yeah. Like, still, I mean, not already, but still yeah. the night before Sunday morning, like, you should you be doing passed here? out already. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, what are you talking about? Yeah. Like, um, 
you know, it's, but you know, so yeah, but whatever it's, it, it's, it keeps, uh, it keeps me, uh, my body moving. That's right. That, so that regard, you know, did you, did you grow up in like a, a home with a lot of music in the home or did that kind of come from, from out of nowhere? I mean, I, you mentioned your, you obviously your older brother kind of showing you yeah. uh, the ropes into more alternative music, but like growing up, was there always music in the home or is any of your family? Uh, my dad, my mom never really listened to music. My dad loved music, but there, it was always in the car, like in the actual home, there wasn't yeah. a ton of like, right. music, like, you know, um, but I remember always, you know, cause they, they were great. I love my parents to death and mm. they, they like whatever crazy shit I needed, I wanted to get into like skateboarding or music right. or like punk and shows and basement shows yeah. in the middle of the city, you know, they would take me to, right and on, they would, yeah. you know, it'd be awesome. And so, um, and so in, uh, during those drives, my dad, always just listened to a lot of the, like, well, at, during the eighties, when I grew up, the oldies were, right. you know, songs of the fifties and sixties yeah. and, and that sort of stuff, Elvis Presley, like all that. And, uh, my dad is a huge Johnny Cash fan. So a lot of Johnny Cash. And so we listened to a lot of that. And so that, you know, like he constantly mm-hmm. listened to that stuff. Yeah. Um, so I got a lot of, inf- like a lot of that, like I heard a lot of that growing up. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, from, uh, from him. That's awesome. It's, it's funny. Cause yeah. you're just talking about like your dad mainly playing music in the car. And so it got me thinking like my, my mom, like she loves music. She'd have music on all the time. Like a lot of times it's funny because growing up, you know, it was a whole lot of like really like easy listening or like Kenny G is like the big thing that I always get like, you know, just saxophone instrumental, you know, kind of smooth jazz stuff. But then I get in the car with my dad and he would just like, he's a quiet guy, but he would put on, he loved the self-titled, the first record from Boston. And he would turn that thing on and just Ah, crank ah. it. And like, I can, there's a handful of times I can remember hearing my dad sing, right? Like he's, he's quiet and he's just got this like high voice. And I don't know if it was just because he was, you know, singing along to Boston, which is of course a bit of a higher, higher voice. But like one, one story in particular, he used to work at a, a car dealership. Like he was the parts manager or whatever at the car dealership, but he would oftentimes get to bring home, random vehicles and one time he brought home this like camaro and he's like come on we're going for a drive and so like it was legit like you know what you're going to be listening to oh yeah it was legit windows <laughs> down boston cranked i'm sure he had a mullet at the time and a mustache yeah. it was it was perfect that's amazing but, yeah so how how did uh how did the so we're, obviously we're going to talk about the promise ring and you you picked five songs that you wanted to talk about but how did how did you guys get together in the first place because i know you guys kind of came from different bands right yeah, I mean, it, it was all kind of a perfect storm of, of many things happening. One is, <clears throat> one being the sort of Milwaukee, Madison, sort of punk scene and, and bands playing each other's shows and mm-hmm. kind of like, you know, it's, you know, it's only 70 some miles away. So it's like, it still sort of seemed like a local show, like just yeah. kind of that. And so, you know, you'd play with the same bands, you know, at the different festivals and different showcases or whatever, you know. And so Numb Left Standing was Jason's band, uh, Jason Genevico's band. Um, And then Scott Beshta and I were in this band called Kaylee Shrine. Um, And so we would play, we had a a good friend, uh, Joe Barris, who did Foresight Records. Um, And so he would do, he'd put on shows in Madison and he would have us play and Numb Left Standing would play and we'd all get to know each other. And um, 
And so that, you know, so we knew that. And I didn't really know Davey at all, but Jason knew Davey because of the, you know, like Davey was from Milwaukee punk scene. <laughs> and so like they would, you know, it's like all sort yeah. of like this incestuous little scene. But then when Davey was in uh, Captain Jazz and then, you know, they played together, Nolan Annie and then played together, and yeah. he, you know. So everyone kind of knew each other, but I, I only knew Davey from, going to shows and seeing him at shows and knowing right. him as like, Oh, I've, I heard of people talk about this guy named Davey. Right. Oh, that's him. I never like went up to him and formally introduced myself ever or whatever, but it's like, I knew who he was like, yeah. Um, and so Kelly Sharn broke up, Nella Sandy broke up. And so Beshta and I, and Geneva Co and this guy, Matt Mangan from Nella Sandy, we're going to form a band. Um, we didn't know what it was going to be like. We're just like, Hey, we liked each other's, music and bands and we you know the, we all hung out together and we all made each other laugh let's mm-hmm. get together um and so we right before we were going to practice for the first time matt's like oh dude i'm out like i've got this girlfriend she's in bloomington indiana i'm gonna go to i'm gonna go there yeah and so we're like oh shit we need <laughs> we need somebody uh and then so that's when jason's like oh I, my buddy davy blah 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 and so um that, then we so that's how the four of us got together okay um first davy was still in captain jazz um so we would just like just get together whenever they weren't doing whatever yeah um and then when they broke up on that one tour then he was just like all right and sort of like let's try this yeah and so we went we did one tour in the summer um that was like of the kind of east coast south southeast super hot um beshta bought a van for like 500 dollars. we all threw our crap in there and like drove and the heat like we had to turn the heat on because it would overheat so we had yeah. it was like a hundred and thousand degrees out and yeah. we had it with the heater on you know the classic story of your first tour right yeah um but we actually it was actually like fun we got along we actually made 500 dollars from the tour which is unheard of for right. like yeah the first tour and so we like you know at the end of the tour when the van like basically putted into jason's dad's like condos parking spot or whatever yeah yeah uh it was like and died but we're like oh here uh here beshta here's your 500 dollars back for buying this van and then it's just like <laughs> all right we're good it, it served its purpose yeah like, yeah yeah that's know, awesome it was a, you know it was a you know a net negative or you know a net zero uh yeah uh endeavor but it was like yeah it was super fun so then we're we thought that was going to be it we're like oh yeah but what else do we need we toured yeah you know i think we like that we might have had a seven inch out but then we're like we're done we got a record out we toured what else can we do yeah um and then we just like but it was just sort of like felt like we just wanted to keep going and Hmm. keep writing and 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 uh and so trying <laughs> trying new stuff out yeah and so you said you had a friend that ran was it foresight records is that what you called it yeah so yeah, joe barris from so, madison so was that because i think i had read like one of your was it your first seven inch or whatever that was out on that is that right okay. right right yeah. the watertown plank uh, yeah. seven inch okay yeah um so then before 30 degrees everywhere came out uh how, you you had a, a handful well maybe not a handful but you had a few kind of seven inches and in eps out at that point is that true i was trying to i think so yeah, yeah i think so like because before 30 degrees we definitely had the foresight records thing and i think by that time we well we had our demo yeah which was just a tape um and then we had the the foresight records seven inch and then i think i think at that time like the jade tree thing happened yeah 
Maybe so, because uh, then falsetto keeps time. Maybe came out. Yeah, I was trying. I, I, was, I was. I'm <laughs> terrible. I'm terrible. My memory is it's going to be terrible. I'll say I was but, just. I mean, looking at the timeline earlier today, and uh, but so how did how did Jade Tree come into play then? Uh, for like, if we just jump into Thirty Degrees Everywhere, how did yeah. how did Jade Tree become kind of your home for the next few records? Well, see, this is where it kind of gets confusing because at some point. Jason went out to New York and he hung out with uh, uh, Norman Brannan from Texas is a reason. Mm. And Norman just happened to be roommates with Tim Owen from J tree. Right. And so I, I, I don't know if like Jason gave him the tape or the seven inch or everything. He's like, here, here's the band I'm in now or whatever. And Norman listened to it and was like, Oh, this is great. Blah, blah, blah. And then he's like, Hey Tim, you should really check this out. You should really do something with this band or whatever. Um, and then that's sort of like how that, then how we got introduced to Tim Owen and Darren Walters from J tree was kind of through Norman. Um, and then, you know, Texas then took us. So, so yeah, we, we, we must've gotten signed and then did the false auto keeps time seven inch yeah and then um and then texas took us out on tour and i think we were only the only records we had were those seven inches i believe because i, I think we didn't get 30 degrees until we were in new york okay maybe because i remember the cbgb show yeah i was new gonna york. i was gonna i had it coming up but i was gonna ask about it because uh i think maybe it was on your the wikipedia for this band or like for this record or for the for the band in general mentioning that there's a cbgb show where you sold five to six hundred copies of this record in ins- one show yeah it was insane like it, we yeah so I, i'm thinking i don't think we had the record maybe we had the record uh, that whole tour and i just yeah. don't remember the only thing i remember yeah. was this one show in new york where all of a sudden like you're out <laughs> you know luckily we had enough yeah there you know like or if it or like if tim and darren came up from delaware or whatever and they were like here we got all these boxes it just came out you're like yeah i i don't i don't i'm terrible so i'm, I'm not <laughs> sure if that's happened you're the right guy to like, talk to with, <laughs> right yeah <laughs> historian i am not yeah. i can just tell i could piece stories together yeah. but i think but yeah i know that was like and so like that was you know so again it was all sort of the momentum momentum building sort of thing that was like oh okay well you know like you know, we did the seven inch and we did that like first tour and we're like, Oh, that's good, but let's keep yeah. trying. And okay. Well then, Oh, here, Norman, here's our tape. Oh, Tim, here's right. You know, like, you know, that sort of like things were building at that time. So we just kind of kept, kept at it, but kept at it thinking that <clears throat> whatever the next step was, was probably just going to be our last and that's going to be fine. Right. Like we were always, I felt like throughout the whole band, like we were always fine with like, it's okay if this ends tomorrow. Sure. Yeah, because like, you know, you know, I, I, I felt, I, I felt like that at, at a certain point. And then at a certain point we're like, Oh shit. Like now the expectation is right. that yeah. we need to like keep going, <laughs> you know, and that's where it sort of sh- shifted. And that's sort of when I think if I'm jumping ahead or not, but like that's sort of when we sort of changed gears. Right. So m- multiple times. Right. Yeah. We'll, and we'll, <laughs> we'll get there, but, um, like with the with this record, it's interesting because I think it gets brought up, you know, a fair bit as being, you know, kind of this influential record in the scene at that time and that kind of Midwest scene. But at the same point, you've been quoted, and I think maybe the other guys in the band too, is saying, you know, this was the wrong recording at the wrong time with the wrong person. So yeah. what's the, what's yeah. the story there? 
Well, um, I mean, I mean, you know, like, it, yeah, it, it, it was, a, again, it's like kind of weird, perfect storm of like, so Casey Rice is the one who uh, recorded and produced it. He was uh, good friends with uh, with Tortoise and he was a, a sound engineer for Tortoise. And so he just came back from Europe, mm-hmm. Europe for Tortoise. He did do the Captain Jazz record, I believe. So that's how, and with Tim Kinsella, like yeah. he kind of got us all hooked up with that. It's like, oh, you should record with Casey because Davey obviously recorded with Casey for the Captain Jazz record. Yeah. So it was like all this sort of things. Like, yeah, it makes sense. Like, you know, like, you know, and we and at that time we felt more like a Chicago band than a Milwaukee band, yeah. just because like the shows in Chicago were a lot better than the shows in Milwaukee, and it just felt like a scene there, especially with with the with the Kinsellas and like you know just that that whole scene. We felt at home there. I'm sort of like, yeah, that makes sense. Like that totally makes sense. Uh, then, but mentally, I I don't think I think mentally we wanted to make a different record than Casey thought we mm. wanted to make. And throughout the process, since it was our first record, we didn't really necessarily stand up for ourselves in certain instances for like <laughs> sounds right, that right. Made, a, made the record. Yeah. Um, you know, like the, the the thing is, you know, the classic thing that we keep talking about, like Casey kept on saying it was like good enough for punk rock. Right. It's like, oh, should the vocals be that buried or should, right. should they be out that sort of like out of tune? Like, should he try another take? He's like, no, nah, man, it's good enough for punk rock. Right. So that was his mentality of us. Yeah. Like we're this shit band from Milwaukee that, you know, whatever. And, you know, it's, yeah. we're playing punk or whatever we were yeah. doing. Like it was, it was like that. He wanted to record that, that yeah. essence of what he thought we were. Yeah. That's um, if we were like, no, dude, we're like this amazing band that wants to like get really good tones and yeah. really good takes and like really do it, you know? And then it was just like, we just didn't have the, we, it was our first record. So yeah. whatever. We were just like, yeah, cool. You're Casey Rice, you know, tortoise. Like yeah. we love tortoise, uh, you know, great let's give it a go we trust you and um yeah. yeah so it was a sobering moment driving back listening to the 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 final mixes hmm. being like what 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 just happened sure and yeah and, that, and that's like it i mean i think compared to you know kind of the records that would come out later it uh it definitely sounds more like a first record but there is i think people were obviously able to find you know, kind of what was, what was in there, obviously, because as you know, it kind of, it gets brought up from time to time. Um, so the title of the record, uh, I just thought, I'm assuming it's referencing 30 degrees Fahrenheit. Yeah. And mm-hmm. it's just talking about, how well, cold, cause it's funny. Cause like, I no, just, it's actually different. No, it's actually 30, 30%. Oh, okay. this is a funny story. So, so, uh, this is just a, a, like a dumb story, but this <laughs> this in, this influenced the naming of the record. Yeah. So, uh, Carrie McDonald, who was the uh, bass player of Christy Front Drive, so we so at that time, Mineral Christy Front Drive, like we started, you know, after the Texas tour, then the next following few tours, we sort of like did a lot of shows with mineral and Chrissy front drive mm-hmm. and stuff like that. We came kind of close to them and, and, uh, Carrie came out to, uh, a, a tour of ours. Um, and so we became really close with him. Um, you, you know, whatever our buddy. So like he was just out of the blue or re- whatever, just saying dumb stuff that you say on tour. He said, or he read somewhere. I, I don't remember the story, but all, what I do remember is that he said 30% of women are aliens. 
like that was like the <laughs> the thing that I remember him like saying. <laughs> okay. From where I have no idea. Yeah. Yeah. But whatever. Um, and so then we you know, we always thought that was kind of funny. So then when we came to think about naming the record, we just changed the percent to degrees, degrees. Yeah. because whatever. And uh, and then you know, so it's like thirty percent of women everywhere are aliens apparently <laughs> which is funny 30 but, degrees 30 degrees everywhere yeah well when it's funny because like obviously i took it as a temperature and i was yeah. it, this is kind of a, a silly thought but i was just thinking about like the difference between 30 degrees fahrenheit and obviously in canada we you know read in celsius so 30 degrees celsius oh, yeah. like 30 degrees celsius here is a pretty hot day right like whereas oh, yeah. 30 degrees fahrenheit is not a very great day so i was like oh it's you know, kind of these bit of an It's opposite. a normal day in Wisconsin, am yeah. I right? Yeah, <laughs> there you go. Um, let's jump in then, I guess, to the song that uh, you yeah. picked off of this record, which would be Scenes from France. love the like classic quiet loud dynamic that's going on with this song yeah. i mean it's it's mostly loud <laughs> but mm -hmm. there is uh some nice kind of little delicate parts and it features uh late i feel like later on davy would kind of start doing this a little bit more and i think maybe it was specifically on nothing feels good but there's this song features some do do do's <laughs> mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. that that seemed to become a thing that was a little bit more prevalent 
maybe in the like nothing feels good very emergency sort of era of the band right um right. but you can kind of hear them here which i which i think is great it's also a song that i don't really understand lyrically at all i have no idea what he's singing about but i mean maybe you yeah. do but what makes this song stand out for you well for me it was um <clears throat> the the fact that like this song encapsulates what we were doing as a band at that time the the best mm -hmm. i think with the with the you know the the quiet loud quiet yeah. it's uh you, you know tempo changes rhythm changes you know different parts kind of just thrown in there like and, and but still have that overall sort of emotional kind of outburst mm -hmm. um you know i think it, it definitely encapsulates that essence of the band the best out of that record uh, yeah. for me out of that record and i really enjoyed playing it live right um it was a really fun fun song to play um yeah and, and actually that record as a whole i you know whenever i over you know uh overhear it or it just comes on or whatever like my wife's a fan of the band so sometimes she's right <laughs> um it was weird <laughs> uh yeah uh and uh the and so like it, it's i have a sort of it, if there are if there is a record that i would ever listen to it would be that one just because mm. it's it, it sort of was it happened yeah we we played those songs for a little bit and we toured and we did whatever but then after nothing feels good then those songs sort of like got these 30 degree songs got yeah. replaced by other songs besides picture postcard like that we played right ad nauseum like that was like whatever we play that every to death yeah. everywhere yeah. Yeah, <laughs> every yeah. all the time um and even like red paint like some of the ones that we keep kind of played even when we yeah. do the reunion shows like we brought a, a couple of those back but overall the the record has been sort of forgotten from in our live set mm -hmm. and i only really remember the songs that we play live because we played them so much and every because that's only the songs i really needed to focus on yeah because yeah you know do you remember you know, because i had to play them so yeah do, um, do you remember the writing process with that song like or was it just kind of one that was a bunch you know with a bunch of other songs was, or I mean, at that time, I remember us being this sort of transient band in, in Milwaukee, um, finding just, I remember like once we were practicing in <clears throat> Davy's brother's living room for a while, we were in a basement here, a basement there, a, you know, weird loft space here. We didn't really find our a space yet, quite, mm -hmm. quite yet. Um, and so it, it, I just remember that, I mean, that. I think that writing process in general, that sort of transient, like, where are we going to first, you know, this week, um, I think kind of influenced the writing of it. I think just because like, maybe it's just me, you know, putting this on <laughs> the writing uh, in hindsight, but I feel like because, you know, all the quick transitions for in the songwriting process and the sort of like, you know, kind of throw the spaghetti at the wall kind of thing. Yeah. Kind of just like what see what sticks. Why don't we just do this crazy thing for this short amount of time for no apparent reason yeah, other yeah. to just do it? <laughs> um, I felt like and that's you know, it just sort of felt like that was us like pushing and pulling the sort of taffy, trying to you know, like figure out what 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 we are, what we're gonna be, or you know, that. So I think that that record in general. Um, I don't, yeah, I don't know specifically the writing of that specific song, yeah. but I just know the overall feeling of that record and writing that record was sort of just like, 
you know, we're still young, we're still getting to know each other, we're still getting comfortable in the positions we are in the band and, 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 and what, how much we're going to play, how much we're going to underplay, overplay, you know, like all that stuff yeah. um, was sort of happening at that time. Hmm. Um, you know, that's awesome. and so I th that definitely came apart, you know, came through on that record. Yeah. yeah. So that'll move, we'll move on then, I guess, to the horse latitudes, which mm -hmm. I was, I, I it's funny because I don't know if I had listened to this record until, uh, like, you know, you kind of sent the songs and I was sort of going through the discography again. And I, I remember looking at it at one point going, wait, my Apple music only says, I think eight songs. I'm like, you know, sometimes you add something on there and it doesn't like add all the songs. You gotta, yeah. So I was like, I went back and double checked. I'm like, Oh no, it's only eight. Okay, so yeah, it's, well, it's not like a it's not like a record proper. It's just like yeah. a collect is it a, 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 our first like collection? And so that, yeah, so that's what's going to ask. So it's a collection of earlier songs, uh, seven inches, yeah. and maybe yeah, I think just seven inches. Okay, right? I mean, maybe, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> I don't think are there comp. No, no, and there's some like, there's some like new tracks because there's like I think I never trusted the Russians and yeah, and Miet is uh, okay that they're new i think those are like songs yeah songs yeah. we recorded for that so it's kind of like this weird so what what was the thought in releasing this was it just kind of because it came out so like 30 degrees everywhere came out in what was it september of 96 and then this came out in february of 97 so not a ton of time it passed was the idea just to kind of like keep the momentum and the ball oh, rolling yeah, yeah. <clears throat> Yeah, we're like, what? What can we do next? We, we like, we we just probably. I, I assume we just started writing songs that would become nothing feels good, but mm -hmm. we were like, you know, um, oh, yeah. And I think it also was a fact that we were recently signed with J Tree. We did a seven inch. We did a a record, and then it was like, well, let's go back and collect. Mm -hmm. It's like kind of like J Tree just sort of been like, let's collect everything you did previous. And put it out then and you know on on our label right and then add some extra tracks to it and then uh and and, and everything else is like oh and we probably had a spring tour booked um that year and right so we're like so you we need something, something to yeah. sell on tour so yeah, yeah. you know it's like you know because that you know that's how, yeah i mean it's like you know it's no surprise that records you know, tours followed immediately yeah. after yeah, records yeah. coming out. So we probably had something booked in the spring that would, that would have been cool. So we're like, Oh, let's put something out. Yeah. I don't, I don't know if you have an answer to this question. Um, but so the song we looked at on 30 degrees was scenes from France and this EP mm -hmm. features a song called scenes from a Parisian life. Do you know, are those songs related? <laughs> like, do you... yeah, yeah. Oh, totally. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So it's like, they're always, you know, I mean, I, I, I think, you know, like, like Davey, is you know is a genius we all know that right um but like you know so there's always like a, a you know there's everything influences mm -hmm. everything else everything leads to something else and so like yeah so so scenes from france and scenes from parisian life are one of the like okay like buddy songs in right. a way right yeah you know, even though they're written I, I can't remember the time frame of when each of them were written but like sure. one inferred the other for sure yeah, yeah. yeah. um yeah. So, so it's, uh, um, and, and that, that's sort of, and I think that sort of lyricism and, and stuff like that, I think, I think I, I feel is like heavily influenced by Tim Kinsella and that sort of Chicago okay, yeah. scene, yeah. you know, cause there's a lot of like self referent self referential <laughs> stuff yeah. that Tim would do that Davey would do 
in response to Tim. And I think they had this great relationship mm. lyrically, I thought, throughout Captain Jazz and Joan yeah. of Arc and stuff as we were developing that like they would they would sort of play off each other. So right there's on. certain influences between yeah. both bands as as they were kind of going that sort of <laughs> I like slight the, reflections i like the dance you know? yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah you know but i was gonna say speaking of france or like more specifically europe you also i believe after this came out did a european tour was that your first time touring europe with tim kinsella yeah we brought him along oh right um, on yeah he was he was you know if anything else as a comic relief for <laughs> our first uh experience there sure that's no, awesome um no, yeah, it was. Yeah, that was it. And I re yeah, and I remember we I think that might have been the tour why we needed Horse Latitudes, because I remember um, for whatever reason, I remember selling a Horse Latitudes to somebody in England. Yeah, OK. And then and then being like, oh, wait, like picture postcards on this and the Yeah and 30 degrees like are What's you swindling me yeah yeah like, I, well they're slightly like, different <laughs> yeah it's like the seven inch it's yeah. actually not from the record it's from the seven inch yeah that happened to be on the record that's um but anyways so yeah that must have been why we we yeah did the horse lives it's what um yeah that was amazing amazing uh tour it was six weeks um we were traveling with this band called Waterbreak stone mm -hmm. and uh and some of those, you know, uh, members of that band, I'm still like in contact today, you know, yeah, um, with in uh, on Instagram and stuff. And so it's like, you know, it's, it's it was it was like a, it was our first European tour. So it's like, of course, it meant the most to us. Yeah. Even all these years later, you know, because yeah. it was our first time over there, and so every experience there was new and weird. Yeah. And complicated, <laughs> and it was it was before the euro so like okay and, and sort of the and european union so yeah. like every border we crossed was this whole thing with yeah like money exchanging and like borders and you know and customs and like i mean yeah it was just it was, complicates it things was yeah complicates things. was that your first time to europe in general like even just on yeah. as yourself yeah okay yeah um, like I, yeah i never really traveled yeah uh growing up yeah 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 so the song that you picked off this record was e texas ab
am I supposed to? Is that East Texas Avenue? Is that how you guys would it's say East it? Texas Avenue? Yeah. But so yeah. like when you like when you would say we're gonna play this song, do you say we're gonna play East Texas Avenue or do you say we're gonna play E Texas Ave? <laughs> East uh, Texas is the actual name of the song. It's a, yeah, okay. um, but it's written, but it's written like it on the street sign. The sign. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, I this song again. We talked kind of about the quiet, loud dynamic. It starts again with a nice kind of quiet little guitar thing, it's, but then it turns into two and a half minutes of just like a wall of guitars and a ton of crash cymbals, mm-hmm. all mixed with Davy shouting, "I'd hang my hat in Hartford Union." Uh, I think mm-hmm. that sums the song up pretty well, but. Uh, yeah. what, what stands out about this one for you? Why, why'd you pick this one? Um, what, because again, everything sort of like goes back to that sort of visceral feeling of, of, of playing the song. Yeah. And, uh, so this is a great song to play. I love playing this song. Um, but it's, it's actually a funny story because this also brings back Texas is the reason because this came out, uh, as a, a split seven inch mm-hmm. with them um on j tree and uh so it's just another like sort of you know buddies getting together and being like hey let's put a record out together and do a split um and recording this we were in the middle of a tour and we recorded this in boston with brian mctiernan and he in uh in a in in the basement of apparently of uh jake brennan from uh, from Disgraceland fame for all you podcast heads <laughs> out there. So we're actually, so it's like this all, and I've been yeah. recently in contact with him for a, another project I'm working on. Yeah. But like, uh, so it's just like this, oh yeah, you recorded in, I think uh, in my basement once with mm. Brian and whatever. And so it's like this weird small world thing. Yeah. Um, so uh, anyway, so that, that was also kind of like now thinking back that's sort of another reason why i picked this song because it's like there's a even to this day there's a current connection to that song you know all these years later yeah um but it's and you know so it's like one of the songs one of the really only songs we recorded while we were on tour i believe yeah and uh um and then you know it's just like the classic story of uh you know, I just remember it. I don't remember much about the recording session except for Tim Owen. Um, he's probably gonna hate me for saying this, but like he, we, I just remember it, like it's crazy thing. Like where he, we clogged the toilet, and it was overflowing, and so he like panicked and like grabbed this like it was just like a like a plastic grocery bag and like like scooped a bunch of poop and water into it, and it was like running down the street trying to find a garbage can to like throw it in while that and he like yeah it was just like a, a crazy session and i was surprised that uh anything came out of that yeah um, that's so funny we actually had that, brian on the show last year sometime it was, it was after the be well record came out he uh okay he came on and we talked a little we didn't talk about this we talked about texas is the reason um but not, okay but not about uh this uh this split seven inch but is is the name then so east texas avenue where do you know why that's the name of the song is it written specifically about mm-hmm. something is it kind of maybe a little bit of a, a poke at texas is the reason is that tied in anywhere or is it just kind of more coincidental that that's the name? again every everything is sort of like everything infers <laughs> everything infers something else but no the the street itself is literally like two blocks this way right on <laughs> um i live it's just it's so it's a street in milwaukee um that's two blocks long 
And at the end of it is, uh, is this kind of like it, it ends and it overlooks the lake. Hmm. So it's like, a you know, and it's, it's just a nice weird yeah. street. That's yeah. only two blocks long and has a beautiful view at the end. Um, so, <clears throat> but yeah, I think like that also knowing that it was going to be a Texas is a reason split. We were sort of, you know, sure. Uh, all sort of like combined together yeah. and it's, you know, like, and sort of like, you know, location is everything. So like, you know, it, it's a Milwaukee street, you know, it's, it's just, it all sort of like. Yeah. Ties yeah. yeah. It way. seems too like, this is maybe not entirely, I mean, well, it's, but like you guys had a number of songs that either, uh, were named after places like obviously you know the first couple songs we talked about um are both named after places and then yeah. or, or even lyrically just like referencing different places it's kind of it's mm-hmm. kind of fun because as like you know a fan of the music and the songs who has never been to any of these places it's kind of it, it it it's funny because it kind of creates a little bit of I'm, I'm, I'm sure you love, you like Milwaukee, but it's also, it's just home. Right. So it's like, ah, Milwaukee's Milwaukee. And then, you know, I hear about these bands coming from places and singing about things and it's kind of like, oh man, that'd be fun to go there sometime for no mm-hmm. other reason than it was mentioned in this song <laughs> or whatever. Right. Like, right, 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 you know, right. maybe I'll go to Delaware sometime because, you know, it gets mentioned <laughs> in the opening track on, on, on the next record we're going to talk about, but like, yeah. you know, those little kind of fun little things, but, um, so that, let's move on then to the next record, which would be Nothing Feels mm-hmm. Good. And right. uh, this came out, so you guys were on a tear because you had you had 30 degrees kind of towards the end of 96, and then you had um, the Horse Latitudes beginning of 97, and then you had Nothing Feels Good that came out in October of 97. Like you guys yeah. were just pushing stuff out. And this is the record that, for myself, like I heard most people talking about, right? Like in, in the scene mm-hmm. up here where I grew up. So I grew up just outside Calgary. I don't know if you guys ever, did you guys ever come up this way? Like I've never seen you live, but I don't know if you ever came up and toured, you know, like Alberta in Canada, but. Um, uh, I don't think Promise Green has. I know Maritime yeah. has been up there okay, yeah. um, a few times, but uh, yeah, I don't know. Actually, I don't remember. I think we mainly did the. We did Vancouver and then yeah. we did, uh, and then like, the, Toronto, just like Montreal, Toronto and, yeah. and yeah. yeah. And that's, that's the kind of the, the typical sort of, I kind of laugh. I think a lot of Canadians sort of roll their eyes when bands are like, ah, we're doing a North American tour. And it's like all these American dates in Toronto. I'm like, you realize for yeah. me to go from here to Toronto is like a five, six hour flight. <laughs> like it'll take me days to drive there. Like it's crazy. But, um, but back to this, this was the first record that I heard people, kind of talking about up here was nothing feels good. Um, I think it shows for sure. You, you had mentioned kind of like the, the shifting of gears, I think is how you put it earlier on. You were talking about, I think this is kind of the first maybe shift in your, in your sound a little bit, but not a ton. Like it, it feels mostly like it's just polishing the sound that you guys had been kind of working on. And was it something that the band kind of intended to do when going in the studio to record it? is it a byproduct of, you know, that experience, like you mentioned with 30 degrees everywhere and going like, no, we don't want to just be good enough for punk rock. We want to be, you know, we're this band that, you know, can kind of write these songs that are, you know, more than just good enough. Right. Like, right. um, right. Yeah. That was, that was, I mean, yeah. And I feel like the, the, 
I mean, if 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 thirty, I think no one would really be talking as much of like a change in our sound mm-hmm. if thirty degrees was recorded better. Because right. there is, there are, there are. It's it. I think songwriting. There's. It's kind of. It's close enough, but there is. Right. A, there's a. There's a major shift. Yeah. Um. To be sure, but um, but just audio recording mm. quality wise with Jay Robbins behind the helm. Yeah. Like getting exactly what we wanted at that time recorded on, you know, on record there. Yeah. Um, in, in Memphis, like we, that was, that was fun. We traveled down to Memphis uh, at easily studio. It was like this whole thing. And it was such felt like, a. yeah, it just felt great to, how, to, to be, to do that. How did you, you know? guys get connected with Jay? Like for Texas is a reason. Yeah, yeah I guess. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he, he recorded, uh, do you know who you are? And then, yeah. uh, and again, you know, then to, with Tim, Tim and Darren were like, "Oh, that record sounds amazing. Yeah, you should do that." You know, like, um, yeah. yeah. So that's how we got connected with with Jay, yeah. and that was just because of you know we wanted him because of how what what the Texas record sounded like and what what else he's been what all the other stuff he's been doing and I mean fucking Jawbox. I mean, come on, yeah. yeah. So like, we were <laughs> no like, said. yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah. No question. Uh, um, yeah, and 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 so yeah, and I guess, and at that time we were maturing in a bit too, mm-hmm. of like like taking all the parts that we've re- all the songs that we've written so far and taking the best parts of those, yeah, and, and that we liked, um, and putting them together into right. new songs that had kind of more of a direction. Right. We kind of started to know what we wanted to sound like more at yeah. that, at that point. It's, know? it was an interesting kind of bit of an exercise. Cause like when you sent me the five songs, I just put them in a playlist and then, you know, if I wasn't going through the albums, I would just play through the playlist sort of thing. Right. So to hear mm-hmm. just the, like, it's a pretty drastic shift in just like production quality, sonics like everything about going from i mean obviously the horse latitudes to like some of that stuff was recorded prior even to 30 degrees everywhere so there's there is definitely going to be some a shift but all of a sudden yeah when when this would come on you're just like oh okay you know it definitely has that that bigger more full sound and i think it does really because i think like you said you know people wouldn't think it's as much of a shift if 30 degrees everywhere sounded better because Mm-hmm. I you, you can definitely hear a lot of those things and you'd see more of a shift in the next two records than you do between 30 degrees and this one. But, um, right. but that production for sure takes it to another level. And I'm assuming, you know, um, this record, although you said, if you're going to listen to a record of your own, you actually go back to 30 degrees everywhere. But, uh, yeah. I, I, just because, just because those songs, I don't, I never listened to them. Yeah. I never played them yeah. a lot. I never played much of those live yeah. as much as all the other ones. So yeah. It's like, it's special, you know, because sure. it's new. Yeah, <laughs> even is, though it's old. Is there anything you can say about the artwork for this record, like how that came together, or was it just kind of something that was? Uh, uh, it's all really Jason. Much... Yeah. Yeah, no, it's uh, yeah. That's all. That's all. That's all, Jason. Yeah. Um, um and and uh, you know, it's Tim Owens' photography. Um, and so, I mean, I, yeah, I'm not sure how how that connection was made. Of if Tim was like, hey. Or if Jason asked him for some fo- some photographs, or yeah. or if Jason saw some of Tim's photographs, said, oh, can I use those? And then, you know, and those dots, yeah, you know, that are sort of like 
Uh, and then sort of like, you know, like inseparable, obviously, from from that artwork, uh, you know, is is reflecting on those like those candies that um, those little dot candies that come in a sheet of paper that was supposed yeah. to be like, well, because the collection of that because of the carnival setting of the photography. OK, so it's I was just trying to remember the artwork a little more. So I'm just looking because is it. Oh, so because I always looked at it and for whatever reason, like it reminds me of. Like the artwork kind of reminds me of the fifties for whatever reason. Mm. I don't like, I always pictured it as like a diner cause I've never really taken a close look, but it's actually, Oh, it says rides on top. Yeah. Like this is what happens when you, when you look closer at it. But cause I, I, I just thought it was interesting. I mentioned earlier about the, you know, kind of like Davy and the, and the do to do's like that sort of stuff yeah. that I feel like really came out a bit more on this record and how oh, and that's sort of like reflective of the 50s yeah sort of yeah like the doo-wop yeah. sort of thing so i was like oh but you know looking at it closer now, can, there yeah maybe maybe or it's just completely <laughs> it's made it up in my own mind but um but let's talk about the song that you picked off this record which is a broken tenor
I, I would fully accept you picking this song based solely off the fact that you get to start it. <laughs> like that, the drum fill that you kind of come in, it's just like mm-hmm. a real simple kind of like roll on the snare or whatever and kind of into that, yeah. you know, that, that, the, the tom and snare beat that you do or whatever. Um, but there's something about the conversation or whatever that's happening. I don't know if it's supposed to feel like you're just, you know, like it's at a party or whatever. Right. But there's yeah, a few voices that, going. Yeah. yeah and yeah. I think clinking glasses, and then all of a sudden you start playing and it's like, it gives me this feeling of like, Oh shit, he's starting. Right. Like, here we go. Uh, even though it's not the opener on the record, but there's, it kind of like sets this scene a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. and then I think, you know, like the little stutters, it's a pretty straightforward song, but you kind of do these like little, um, stutters. I don't know if it's at the end of each verse, like the line yeah. in each verse, there's, mm-hmm. I'm trying to like rack in my brain right now exactly what it is. Cause it reminded me of something, but, um, and then kind of towards the end of the song when it sort of comes off the rails a little bit and then everyone comes together to finish the song. Was that, yeah, that, yeah. was that part, like, was that written into the song originally, or was it something that kind of happened by accident at one point when you're playing and it was like, Oh, that was actually kind of great. Let's make that a thing. Well, yeah, I, I, I don't remember specifically, but I, I think that song, I mean, most of the songs for Nothing Feels Good at that point would, would like the sort of throwing the spaghetti at the wall was sort of like done with. Yeah. We've, we've gone through that process already. We know what we like. We know what we don't like. We tried that. We tried this. So I think this record, I feel is a little bit more um, honed in on. Mm-hmm. So all the decisions we made in the songwriting process was based on decisions that we've previously made right. on what we, what we liked and didn't like. Yeah. And so I, I feel like, you know, the, that sort of, yeah, that, that's the coming apart yeah. was obviously like, I'm sure we're like, Oh, you know what we should do here? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Let's just pretend we're falling apart. Yeah. And, bring it back you know like um yeah so i think that was that was a that was a conscious writing decision yeah not 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 by accident it's funny because little things like that when i hear them in songs i'm often like how does that come about because like obviously you you, so in in this instance you're saying like you intentionally went into this part and like let's make it feel like we're screwing up and like and then so to like do that and sort of everyone's just sort of hitting the random things and like oh we're coming back but um so that's pretty, that's, that's great. But what, what is it about this song for you that makes it stand out that made you, you pick it? Um, uh, a, a couple of things. I just, I just feel like, um, let's see where to, where to start. Well, I mean, there's sort of like to talk about the like sort of party scene Yeah, yeah. in the beginning, but yeah, that was a, you know, a, a thing that like Jay was, had that idea of just like, Hey, let's just go in there and like pretend you're, at this party before the drums come in and just yeah. sort of so the song was already recorded and we just tacked that on at the beginning okay yeah um to do that and um and so like we were doing that just kind of mumbling and talking or whatever and then when this when the drums go you can hear me yell wait is that it because i was like <laughs> i thought we were going to talk a lot longer right than we did yeah um but it's kind of fitting uh to, for me to yell that um, that's so funny and the uh and then to kind of like go a little bit uh deeper into like the recording of that record is that at that time the scott and myself's relationship was really bad like okay. we were not like i literally told myself 
I don't know how I'm going to make it through this recording right. being having to be in a hotel room with them right. at the studio all day with them because we, we recorded in Memphis and that's an eight, you know, eight to 10 hour drive. So yeah. eight to 10 hours there and back in a van, uh, yeah. in a van, you know, like I, you know, so I just remember getting a copy of uh, catcher in the rye and just reading that. Right. Yeah. Like, like I'm doing my drum takes and then I'm reading and I'm like trying to not, yeah. Like zone him out. Um, and so, you know, and so there's a, there's a part of me that's sort of like, you know, um, <laughs> like, I don't, I don't know. It was, it was, it's just really complicated. And I remember him, like he yells during that little party scene to bring it back to the party scene. He yells, I've got blisters on my fingers. Oh, funny. Because yeah. He's such a big fan of Beatles. Beatles and, yeah. And all that stuff. It was, it was like, you know, and I just remember after him doing that, I'm like, <laughs> seriously dude <laughs> that's funny like, you you love the beatles that much you just have to say that yeah um i mean we kept it i mean i mean whatever i'd probably internalize it because i yeah. do that with everything i just internalize it and just let that fester and uh and just didn't really say anything about it but it, i was just like dude come on yeah um so there's like so that so that was a part you know as why i picked this song is like that was sort of like this sort of weird moment yeah <laughs> in that in that where it's like that sort of came out at least you know like the, at least mentally you know that tension i had with him i always think about when i hear him yell that in the beginning of that song right um and then um and then what also the kind of nice about the song and kind of a, a typical davy lyric thing is, is the self-referential stuff is that you know at the end of the song he he references every one of our like sort of nationalities Oh, okay. At the end, you know, so yeah. like the German references to Davy, okay. the Irish references to Scott, yeah, and then the the Polish references to um, Geneva Co. But since I'm sort of German as well, and yeah. I have a little, a little bit of, uh, of French, um, he just yelled uh, the lyric. Did he hear? Is supposed to sound like Didier, yeah, my last name. <laughs> so it's like so that you know that's always it's you know like yeah. it's always kind of a nice special thing that Davey would do like once in a while on records it's yeah like the self-referential like talk that's about cool other you know yeah things like that so like that's always a nice uh, another part of that song that i've always sort of yeah that's it's sort of like talked about us yeah as as this group you know like yeah. you know even though i just went and just <laughs> talked a bunch about scott me yeah. and, and besha like yeah tearing each other apart sure but it, but there's always that that was nice part of the song is that like we well, know we're this group of yeah. these four individuals that are uh on the same sort of team yeah that's we're cool doing our best to write songs yeah because like that's i i know he i mean in that song i i wouldn't have picked that up but i'm i'm pretty confident that he re- kind of sings about all of you again on the next record uh um, right Right. So, so yeah, it's definitely a theme that kept going. Yeah, which then also kind of reminds me a little bit of when he was on uh, the Jimmy World song and mm-hmm. um Jimmy Atkins Adkins sings Come on Davy, sing me something that I know. And I'm like that's Right. And then of course, yeah, I mean that's a whole different thing than when he goes into lines from a bunch of different songs including one of Right, that's your own. exactly. Yeah, yeah like, like see cuz Jim like Jim wrote that lyric for that reason. He's <laughs> Yeah, well, yeah. well, yeah, like before Davey put his vocals down. Yeah, yeah. So he, Davey knew that was going to be the next line of the song. Yeah. So when great. Jim picked it back up. So then, yeah, he then went and referenced 
yeah. all songs that Jim would probably know. Yeah, that's that's um, so great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that, that's 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 fun. Like like he was he was so good and still is really good at that. Yeah, like he's always been great at, at that sort of thing. Yeah. So the the next record that you guys released was Very Emergency, which uh, came out in September of '99. So this was weird for you because you guys took two years off in between records. Because <laughs> uh, like yeah. Well, yeah, because we were touring. Yeah, as like watching yeah. like the then release. It was just like the release schedule you guys had then all of a sudden like that two-year break people were probably freaking out <laughs> where are they well no they, yeah they're freaking out at our shows yeah, because we kept playing shows and, and kept, yeah i mean that was just like we went back to you know we did a we did a full month of the west coast yeah we did a full month of the east coast we did a full month of europe again i believe yeah. and then probably back again um right yeah this this record also saw a member change though you mentioned scott previously mm-hmm. so was it a requirement right. of the band to only have bass players at this time named scott or <laughs> <laughs> well so, so what well except for we had tim this guy oh, tim okay. who who toured the 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 um the nothing feels good oh, stuff. Sure. he was okay. the touring bass player for yeah. that stuff he never made it on any of the records but he he was a member of the band for a big chunk of the touring yeah um around that record so uh, but yeah, then, yeah, then what happened though? Then, yeah, that was, but yeah, because very, uh, very emergency was 99, right? So yeah. 98, we, we got in that van crash, okay. which we, we were, we did a group of shows with hum mm-hmm. opening for hum. And then we played Nebraska, <clears throat> Kearney, Nebraska. And then we just wanted to drive home that overnight and yeah. dumb idea in the right. middle of winter. And, um, you know, whatever crashed. Um, and that was, and then after that, we already, we already knew that we were going to not have Tim in the band anymore, but unfortunately we got in this crash. Yeah. And so I, I and so we had to kick him out like while he was healing from his broken arm. Right. Uh, that's pretty rough. The answer that wasn't that good. Um, <laughs> yeah. Then, he, um, yeah, but then we knew Scott Shanebeck, yeah. um, from Al- alligator gone and his brother, uh, Mike Shanbeck was uh, our tour manager. And so it, gotcha. it's, you know, it made sense. Uh, we always, you know, uh, he was a Milwaukee dude yeah. ran about town. We, uh, you know, yeah. and yeah. the shows forever, um, uh, seeing him play in other bands and stuff. So yeah. we were like, yeah, let's do that. So yeah, then we got him. He's um, playing in some band these days, isn't he? Oh yeah. Yes, he is, isn't he? Some band. Yeah. I don't know. Some band. Some band. Yeah. So he's been doing yeah, so like then after yeah, then after he left uh yeah. Promstring, yeah, he started playing with Dashboard. With Dashboard, yeah. I was yeah. it's funny, a quick side note, because I saw Dashboard I mean it was a couple of years ago now. Um but I just remember seeing them going like, Man, this isn't like none of these guys outside of Chris are like the original members because he looks nothing like I remember him looking like, you know, obviously in those earlier days. And then I like look it up I'm like wait what like this guy's still in here okay like because i think does he, yeah. I, I feel like he had maybe long hair and a beard or something um oh, yeah. and i was oh, yeah very confused he's he's, he's yeah but so this right he's definitely um he's definitely rocker chic yeah yeah <laughs> to say the least that's yeah. funny but uh, i love that guy this record very emergency to me it feels very much like you guys kind of at like that original sound that you had but at your best with that original mm-hmm. sound for me it's a natural evolution you know kind of of your earlier sound through the records up to this point i think the hooks are clear and they're in your face like it's it's 
poppy it's catchy the production is great the parts are all played very well and uh, a side note for me this is actually one of the very first um like vinyl releases i ever bought oh cool yeah like i got it i got it for at a at a uh what's it called um like i i got a used copy at a record shop i was when i first started collecting vinyl so i'm sure i didn't Mm -hmm. pay very much for it whereas now you know like things like this i don't know how much it's worth but Obviously, records are, are worth more money these days because everyone's right, buying them. Right. But, and I also totally. have some of the yeah, artwork. Yeah, well. Yeah. <laughs> so, Very cool. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, so one of the things that drew me in about this record is the the artwork. Obviously, like picking it up as a on, on vinyl, it's in your face. It was one of those very, mm-hmm. you know, first ones that I was looking at. But um, what's kind of the story behind the artwork here? Uh I think I think this was sort of like uh, Wes Anderson's Rushmore, right? Um, yeah, it was released, and and we all love that film. Yeah. So we were sort of like the, the I think that had a slight inspiration of the the artwork, where like well, let's all become these different characters. Like the character in Rushmore sort of assumed all these different identities in a way and different right clubs or whatever he formed. Um, yeah. So we each, we each have our you know different um personality yeah. uh, in the artwork so like are, with, uh, so in the pictures are you guys in them yeah okay yeah That's so like, like yeah so so yeah i mean i'm looking at the your artwork so that yeah. obviously davy as a sports guy oh yeah oh, i'm yeah. i'm on the left with uh as an architect <laughs> then i think that's Tim Kinsella is dressed as a oh, nun man, with amazing. someone else. And then I don't remember who's in the bunny suit. Yeah. Um, and then what Scott was a business person. And then uh, right. Jason was like this, like love Lauren sort of college prep, yeah, yeah. college prep student or something. <laughs> so I should open it up and look at them all again. It's hilarious though. Cause that would definitely mark the first person who's been on the show. Who's been on my wall. So <laughs> there you Very go. Cool. Yeah, you're you're on my wall. A younger you is on my wall. That's funny. Yeah. Um, who's on the cover though? Oh, Paul Coob. Okay. Our, a good friend, okay. a Chicago friend, Paul. All oh, right on. All right on. Um, yeah, he's uh, the he's sort of I think he's supposed to be like a like a taxi or uh, a limo driver. Oh, limo driver, funny because I think yeah, yeah. I, I guess now I get it. the the hat. And I guess yeah. maybe the timing though reminded me of every time I saw him, I, like the first thing that comes to mind is like the Maytag repairman, but like the Maytag repairman, I'm pretty sure wears coveralls, not like a, you know, a, a suit yeah. and tie. So that's, that's kind of funny, right. but right. Um, let's get into the song that you picked off this record, which is living around.
mean, this is just for me a solid like indie emo power pop goodness. Like it's yeah. everything I kind of described and what makes this record, you know, sort of um, the peak for me of that earlier sound is like all wrapped up in this. Uh, and <laughs> complete with what I like to call the uh, the O'Neaters beat or the Wonders beat or um, <laughs> you know the that thing you do right. beat just yeah. the yeah. the double snare. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, and and I did find on this record like you play that beat a couple times. Like, is that was it just sort of? I mean, I guess it, it was just fitting. <laughs> yeah, and I think and I think you know the the evolution of, of from nothing feels good to this record is. is every yeah it was like we're totally changing mm-hmm. who we are like yeah. that was a total conscious decision um on all of our parts um and especially our parts that we played on the record yeah um so i was yeah i i can't I, I went as simple as i could it was all about simplicity and power yeah um for for the for this record and um and so and right before this we did um the Pixies cover compilation okay. and we did gouge away. Right. So I feel like, like we were already sort of writing these songs around that time, but then we were, um, but doing that song, I was like, Oh yeah. Like that's yeah. what how I should play on this record. So gouge away is like heavily influenced, like cool. the, how I played this, uh, the, the yeah. drums on this record. Yeah. And, um, but yeah, so like, yeah, I, I it, and, and we, because they were, were stripped down more <clears throat> straightforward, like sort of quote unquote pop songs. Like, yeah. So that sort of, you know, double snare hit, doo-woppy, yeah, O'Neaters, yeah. like, like all that stuff was like the, uh, all part of that sort of like yeah. pop sound, like let's strip it down to that sort of essence. And, and so, yeah. So, and I remember for and the reason, the main reason I kind of picked this song it, because I, not only because I, I think I like it and I, it's the, again, the song that sort of encompasses that record Mm -hmm. for me the most. Yeah. Um, We were, we're playing um, uh, New York at CMJ and it was, it was right around the time this record was coming out. So, and, and we, I think at that point we took a little bit of break of touring to do the, record the record and, yeah. and all that stuff. So like, we didn't really, we haven't toured much. And so I think this is one of our first shows back or, or whatever. And, um, and I remember first we were like, Oh, this is like, we should make a moment out of this. And so like, let's open the show with living around. Right. And so I would walk up on stage and I would just do the, do, 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 you know, just like do yeah. the opening beat yeah. for a long time. And, t- and then people would stand, you know, like, you know, then, different instruments will start coming together or I do the fill and then we all come together at once. I, I can't remember. Yeah. But anyways, uh, failed miserably because <laughs> nobody in that audience wanted to hear me play a new song, <laughs> a new record yeah. where I start it and it's a simple kind of like powerful kind yeah. of beat. Bop, bop, bop. And yeah. everyone, <laughs> everyone, did, everyone wanted us to, you know, open with, uh is this thing on right whatever else but like no we're gonna like it was sort of like if we were ever gonna have a sort of dylan goes acoustic moment yeah it was, it was that moment <laughs> because it was like like it went over uh terribly yeah um 
but it was also like you know we but that was our mindset at the time like we're gonna make you know like this record is sort of that state yeah we did this in the past we're gonna do this now you're there like it or you don't like it yeah. it doesn't matter to, you know like it you know like we're at this point we're like we're less we just wanted to not make the same record twice mm-hmm. and it felt like you know like after doing 30 degrees and, and nothing feels good which again totally different records but still could be in yeah. the same ballpark yeah. we were like we got to get out of this ballpark and do something else yeah um and i felt like that that statement that we made at that one show that sort of encompassed than that whole idea of that record. Mm. Um, It also has one of probably my favorite lyrics by Davey when he, like the line where he just says, losing my voice, just talking to you about talking to you. Like that's pretty, I don't know. I just, I've always Mm. loved, loved that line. We mentioned earlier, he's got a bunch of, a bunch of great lines. What's that like um, working with, playing with, writing with someone who is a writer like Davey? Like, cause I mean, you know, clearly he puts a lot of thought into, I mean, maybe it just comes super easy and natural to him too. And he doesn't actually put a lot of thought. That's literally just what comes out, but clearly he's a lyricist and a writer who, you know, kind of made his own way as far as a style is concerned or is like Mm -hmm. memorable in that sense. So what's that like working with a writer like that? I mean, it's great. Well, it's great. I was going to say, just, that's it. That's um, great. <laughs> that's great. No, but it, 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 it's great not having to worry about that. Yeah. You know, like I've, ne- I've never not once said like, oh, why'd you write that? Yeah. Or like, blue, I don't know. Yeah. Like everything's like, oh, I was like, oh yeah, great. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds great. Oh, I love that. Oh, that's really witty. Okay, great. Yeah. I love it. You know, like, you know, so like have taking that, like I never had that because it was always like, I've never had that issue mm-hmm. for the, you know, yeah. between promissory and maritime where I had to like worry about the lyrics or worry about yeah. the, you know, whatever. Like that was just like, it's the lyrics are going to be written and they're going to be great. Mm-hmm. And I don't, let's, I, I can, not worry about it and just focus on other things yeah, you know like, yeah. like it was it's like it was such a like i don't know so relief i guess i don't know but yeah, yeah it's, and it's like yeah and of course that's you know and the, it was such a pleasure to then have that as part of the, like the yeah. main part of the song and and, and of, of all the songs and the things that people remember the most mm. you know and it's you know and it's and it's a great thing to remember like you pulling lyrics like that that means something to you even to this day or just thinking it's still a cool line after all these years like yeah that's great yeah that's amazing so let's move on um to i guess what would be the last the final promise ring album that being wood water uh came out so this time you had about two and a half years or so between april of 2002 on ante so what what was the why the jump from was jade tree your time just up like did you have a couple record contract and that was that or were you looking for something new with the label jump all of that like that between (laughs) very emergency and uh and woodwater so much has happened yeah i mean you know and speaking of davy like he had the the, we had to cancel a european tour Mm -hmm. because of the brain tumor and the surgery and taking a long break and reassessing 
what are we doing here? What do we want with our lives? Mm -hmm. What do we want with this band? What do we want with life? Like your friend is just in the, you know, been hospitalized. Yeah. And like it, it's just the last thing you're thinking about is the band, you know? Totally. So yeah. like, um, and so you just, when you kind of get back together, then you're just sort of like, all right, well, let's reassess everything because we can do that. Yeah. You know, yeah. if we want to do that, you know, um, we're not married to any any idea or anything or any you know whatever it's like you know the only thing that we again i keep going back to this is never wanting to make the same record twice mm -hmm. so it's just like all right well we we did this we did that what else can we do yeah you know and then we we're just influenced by you know so many other things that we wanted to explore yeah um, and so yeah and so then um we did some demos uh in milwaukee and uh, some of them, you know, it's, you know, it's kind of classic thing was like we recorded six or so songs and three of them sounded like they would be the next step from yeah. Fair Emergency. And three of them sounded like songs that ended up being on Woodwater. So right. imagine what they sounded like. And so like we had that sort of, we could assess that, those demos and be like, all right. What do we want to do? Here's our, yeah. here's our chance. Yeah. You know, like, like what side of the fence are we leaning towards? And yeah. like, hey, you know what? That's kind of cool though. Like, let's explore this sort of sonic landscape of, you know, you know, uh, softer. Yeah. You know, you know, whatever, whatever that was like, yeah. we were just like, okay, that seems more interesting to us right now this because just doing another rock song is a lot less interesting to us right, right this was the first album i actually had ever heard by you guys like i'd heard kind of your name uh thrown around for a few years at this point and then for whatever reason when this one was out it was i think finally i was like okay a lot of people have talked to me about the promise ring i don't know if i had heard you guys before this record like maybe you know on if there was a compilation or someone had played me something or what have you, like there's a chance I, I heard you, but this was the first one that I for sure owned and like dove into. So you can kind of imagine my surprise, my initial surprise, because the guys who were telling me about the promise ring, I expected in your, like maybe by, I don't know so much by the name, but by, by the, the guys who were telling me about you, that the sound was going to be more along the lines of like uh, more on the, like, post-hardcore like kind of harder screamier <laughs> side so then I, I put this on and i'm like oh well i actually really like this not what i was expecting but there's you know a, yeah from the first moment i heard it i really loved it but you can also imagine my surprise then as i worked my way backwards through <laughs> your catalog to be like oh what a weird way to experience our band <laughs> right like because i mean yeah because like i literally outside it's of, actually like kind of a great way actually right i, I like out, you know, because like I would have, I would have gone um, Woodwater to Very Emergency because it wasn't long after I got Woodwater that I I found Very Emergency on vinyl, and then uh, I would have gone to Nothing Feels Good and then Thirty Degrees Everywhere. Like I literally would have worked backwards and just like kind of with mm -hmm. each record, it's it sounds a little different. Now, obviously, that's the same thing that happens going forward too. But um, right. But what what was kind of your immediate or maybe not immediate, but like the kind of the reaction that you found that fans were kind of giving this record, because it is so different. Like when you put it out mm -hmm. and you played those songs, were people on board right away or were people kind of like, mm. what is this? <laughs> no, no, I, 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 I mean, it was, they hated it. And, yeah. You know, and, and we had a, we did a terrible job 
convincing people to care about these songs. Right. You know, I think that that that, that was a huge issue that we had because we didn't we lacked the confidence to pull these songs off correctly live to convince people that no listen to this shit it's yeah. great yeah yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah like you know like so there was you know so it was it was just a weird it was a weird timing thing with mm-hmm. um with that um you know but the experience of it was was amazing like we were spent you know six weeks in in, in england with I mean, Stephen Street producing it mm. and just hanging out with him and hearing, you know, stories of recording with Morrissey and right. writing and, you know, like, like it's in the Smiths. Yeah, it's yeah. like, damn. Like, I mean, that was like, that was amazing. Yeah. And, um, and it was such a fun record to, to make in, you know, not only to write, because again, we sort of hold up in our own studio. Like we bought a bunch of recording equipment and just like, <clears throat> stayed in Milwaukee and just sort of like wrote these songs, demoed these songs ourselves then after the initial demos. And then, you know, uh, and then went over there and just could start just kind of playing in the sandbox really with yeah. these songs with, with Steven, <laughs> yeah. which is amazing. that And he had such great creative ideas too, to kind of like put these songs to that sort of next level. Um, and it, yeah, I mean, it was just an amazing experience. But it, even so much, I remember on the train ride, like <clears throat> we were outside London. It was like a 45 minute train ride into London. And so like we'd go to London as much as we could. Um, and I remember one trip down there, Jason's like, we should just break up. Mm. Just tell everyone <laughs> we're, we're promising is over and let's just create a new name. And yeah. this will be our first record. Right, right, right. You know, because like it was that, that was that much of a departure. Yeah. That, that, that was concept that we thought about you know yeah. like maybe that might work <laughs> better you yeah, know, than yeah. to kind of to bury the name and then you know just start something new with this and you know whatever yeah. um because you know the reaction that we got from it was just not 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 good not good at all you know? i um, but but then again like again as i said like we didn't we did a terrible job convincing people otherwise right i saw someone recently refer to this album as the promise rings fine wine it gets better with age and (laughs) like i i've i've loved this record like i said from the first time i heard it i also didn't have that kind of um you know relationship with the band leading up to it to you know kind of have to deal with a change right like yeah Mm -hmm. i was surprised at the people who were telling me to check this band out and when i finally did like hearing it going that's not what i expected but I didn't have those, you know, three records or four records, if you want to count the EP in there too, like that led up to that going, wait, what is this? But you also had said when kind of talking about, you know, picking songs for this episode that this album, you know, kind of had the most trouble picking a song off of this album. Why, why is that? Is it just that, is it, well, you love them all or you're just kind of like, I don't know, or what's the deal? Well, kind of, because again, much like 30 degrees, Woodwater is the same way. We didn't really have the opportunity sure, to yeah. play these songs much. Yeah. Right. Um, and so listening to the, I can, I, you know, I'm fine if I don't listen to Nothing Feels Good or Very Emergency for a very long time. I'm right. okay with that because yeah. those songs are etched in my hands. Yeah. yeah, yeah. They're etched in my brain. Yeah. Like we played those songs to death. But for the other, for the sort of bookend records, um we really have it and so this song yeah like listening through when i did listen to this uh record 
recently to pick the song. Mm -hmm. um, it, yeah, it was really hard, kind of hard to do because like everyone was, it's like a, a like a refreshing right. take on, on what I expect, what I thought I, what I thought I thought of this record, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, yeah. like listening, because I haven't listened to it in, in, in a long time. So it was kind of refreshing to hear back and be like, oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh yeah. We did this. This was a thing that happened. Yeah. Oh, we and, wrote uh, this song. You know, oh. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that was cool. I like that little part that we, you know, yeah. you know, there's all that sort of things that, that you think about. Uh, yeah. Um, you know, when you actually, yeah. When you create the record that you think about Yeah. Um, when you listen back to it. And so, yeah, there's, it was a hard time to pick the song. Cause I really could just pick any, any one of them and feel yeah. fine about it. You know? With this record, did, did kind of like the writing, did it sort of change in this? Cause I, I just kind of was quickly scrolling through and this could just be a misprint on, on Apple music even, but I noticed like your name popped up in writing credits on this record, but I didn't recall seeing it on other records. Like, was there, did that change or was that just something that maybe even with the new label, it was credited different or. Uh, yeah, could, that could be that. I mean, yeah. I don't think there's anything really changes except for I did uh, a lot more like uh, keyboards and, oh, yeah, okay. and, 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 uh, and that sort of arranging sure. um, on, on this, on this record because that didn't exist in the other, right. <laughs> in the other records, you yeah. know, and, and the other thing with the diff main difference between the writing of these is like, we, for the previous three records, we wrote all those songs in a room together, yeah. playing at the same time. Yeah, where <clears throat> Woodwater was written uh, basically with Pro Tools, mm. so we just you know we would still all sort of be there. Yeah, but it would be we could move things around. Yeah, we could experiment a lot more. Yeah, um, you know, in that in that regard, you know, yeah. so that also helped the help change the sound of us right, right. You know, because it, we literally wrote differently for this record and and with this record so you had a again another member change in that scott mm -hmm. is gone and ryan yeah. is now on bass right ryan mm -hmm. yeah yeah so ryan. but also like like did scott play on a song because i think i don't know if it was on the wikipedia yeah, it, was, it said that yeah, he it was, was on we one did, track yeah one song we recorded in la with uh um with uh, um, Mario Caldato Jr. Um, at his house, mm. um, which was a fun experience um, because Mario C. It's <laughs> uh, <laughs> that yeah, that was a great experience. You yeah. know, like him, like pointing out the to real the real uh, to like you know the, the song that went on to sell millions and <laughs> platinum you know like you know it's cool yeah it was cool and uh but yeah so he came out to la and when we did that and when so it was kind of like did that and then we when we came back to milwaukee to finish yeah. writing the records then we sort of like brought in ryan right so the song that you picked that you finally were able to come to a conclusion and pick on this record uh was mm -hmm. suffer never
one of the songs that kind of most closely resembles like the earlier releases of the band just in the sense that it's one of the right. more upbeat songs on the record like on on very emergency you do have you know obviously some songs you played with the quiet loud dynamic from the very beginning but you on very emergency you did have some songs that just kind of stayed a little more quiet not yeah. quite to the extent obviously is on this record and with the I guess the variety of instrumentation maybe that's found on this record uh, there's definitely mm-hmm. some different sounds i think and i mean you mentioned that on this record you're even playing keyboards and stuff like that like it's you're not just Mm -hmm. sitting behind a drum kit but i mean davy's singing i think takes a change obviously it's it's i think it's fitting that music a little more it seems to be a little more delicate maybe more layered harmonies on this on this song even um but why Oh, okay, maybe you can you can answer this question because I I wrote in my notes that there's like a lead line and I was trying to figure out if the lead line on this is played if it's actually strings or if it's played on the keyboard. Uh, yeah, no, it's, it's a keyboard. So, it just a, did a string string. Yeah, patch and is it you that's playing it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, there we go. Okay, so there yeah. You go. <laughs> yeah. Um, but so what makes this song in particular stand out for you? It it's sort of like it's sort of I picked this song because it's it's sad Mm. Um, because this was we were on our last tour was the plea for peace tour um, that we were on that was a complete disaster for multiple reasons Mm -hmm. and we ended up breaking up in California but the purpose of the tour was to get not only just to tour but to also get us to to LA where we were going to shoot a video for this song right so it didn't really work out that way. We, we broke up um, right before getting back to LA. And so then we had like 
so obviously the video shoot was canceled mm -hmm. and then we so we had like two days in la before our flight home and we were just sort of like okay what do we <laughs> what do we do it like and it was kind of like this weird thing where it's like okay well like the we're in LA, we're supposed to be celebrating and doing this video, but no, we just broke up and now we're just sort of like, just reminiscing or, or thinking of mm -hmm. uh, everything, like so many thoughts, right? But we all <clears throat> got into this Bright Eyes show because he happened to be coming through and he was, he was been a fan like um, uh, Vermont, the band that Dave and I were in, mm -hmm. um, as a side thing throughout this band we drove to omaha to record with mike and aj mogus uh at their house didn't go anywhere like the recordings didn't go anyways but like this like little kid came once yeah and knocked on the door and wanted to hang out with us and it was connor um <laughs> so it was like you know so like you know and so like now it's like kind of like this weird thing where it's like we just broke up he's like playing a couple nights is sold out at yeah. uh, the fonda theater and it was just kind of like this weird experience. And it's just sort of like, you know, so that was sort of like the song that sort of is the most memorable for me from that record because of that mm. sort of like it, it basically signifies this the weird end. experience yeah. of breaking up and the end. Yeah. yeah so it's yeah. like, it, it seemed almost fitting to pick that song for this because it's sort of, if we're going through the whole yeah. process, yeah. it's like, yeah, this, this song literally signified the end to me because yeah. it, we were going to, you know, Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so you uh, like so uh, like you you just told the story. That was the end of the promise ring. Obviously, you're still going. Um, like you you had a couple more projects or albums at least, like with Davy that you did with Maritime. Uh, mm -hmm. Like is so is is Maritime still? Is that an ongoing thing? We've we've haven't. Our last show was actually in 2016. Yeah. So it's been it's been a while, but we didn't don't think we ever really officially like broke right. up or stopped and yeah. and we've well, there's a couple like a, a text string with with the with uh, the members of the band to mm -hmm. be like, "Oh, maybe we should I have a couple songs like right. you know, maybe we can write remotely and yeah. you know, do all that." So like there's there's small like small chatter yeah. of that way. So there, there might be something but you know, yeah, that was also a while ago when we were. <laughs> well, yeah, but I say the maritime maritime was kind of nice because uh, for myself when I was obviously getting into the promise ring at the 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 tail end. If I mean maybe even by the time I got the record, you guys could have been broken up. I'm not 100 percent sure, mm -hmm. but you know, and then kind of going, oh, I wonder what these guys are up to. And so to find maritime was kind of nice because it's you know it doesn't sound like the promise ring, but there's definitely obviously like Davy's writing, you're on there. There's some there's some kind yeah. of common threads that go through there. So that's, that's kind of cool. But, um, I suppose to, to wrap this interview up, I just have one last question is that when can we get another promise ring record? <laughs> never, never. Oh, no, I mean, of new songs. Yeah. New songs, never, but, yeah. um, but there, but, uh, but we will be releasing oh, right something, on. uh, soonish to yeah. kind of like wrap it all up with, uh, a lot of the, unreleased stuff that sure ever, you know, yeah you know the the demos and and uh, there's a track that never made it onto woodwater and you know some other stuff and then the, us one song that was never was like the last song that we wrote after woodwater okay um, yeah right right before we right before the tour that we broke up on yeah um so it's like there's a few um 
few tracks on there. Uh, or yeah, so it's you know, and so that'll be out. It's, I don't know, at some point. That's awesome. Well, that's great. <laughs> so there's so like the, the final the final little thing. Like this is literally everything that we kind of have. Yeah. They can't get anywhere else. That's awesome, man. Thanks for taking the time to to hang out and yeah. do this. Yeah. Thank you. Very fun. I appreciate I appreciate the trip trip down memory lane. <laughs> anytime. Anytime. <laughs>